What's up, MLB Morning Coffee listeners? We have our first sponsor. Please welcome to the show, Sit Stay Paul. Is there a better feeling than walking through the door and seeing your dog so excited to see you? There really is nothing better than a happy, healthy dog. Sit Stay Paul, Boston-based dog treat company, focused on all natural, healthy ingredients, is dedicated to helping dogs live happier, healthier lives. At Sit Stay Paw, they treat dogs as part of the family and understand you do too. That's why they use the highest quality all-natural ingredients in each dog treat. Each recipe has been developed along board-certified veterinary nutritionists and is packed with the flavors your dog loves and the nutrition they need. Stocking stuffer ideas? Do your friends have dogs? Sit Stay Paw's Blueberry Pancake Chewies are made with real blueberries full of antioxidants, fiber, and vitamin C and K the perfect stocking stuffer dip for your friendly pooch. Their carob chip chewies are a natural sweet treat your dog will love, full of vitamins A, B, D, calcium, iron, magnesium, everything your dog needs. For the next four weeks, listeners can go to sitstaypaw.com. That's www.sitstaypaw.com. And on Facebook and Instagram, at sitstaypaw. And use code MLBCOFFEE. That's right, MLBCOFFEE. For 10% off your first order. Take a pic, throw it on the gram, get your dog on the Sit Stay Paw Instagram. Sit Stay Paw, go get your dog a treat. Now, on with the show. Ah, yes, welcome to MLB Morning Coffee, our non-tender deadline special. Yes, that is what we're calling it because I said so. Welcome on into the Ocean Avenue Studios for another edition of the show. We are brought to you by Sit Stay Paw. Go to sitstaypaw.com, enter the promo code MLBCOFFEE for 10% off of your first order. Thanks to our good friends at Sit Stay Paw for their sponsorship of our show. We are coming to you on a Wednesday evening. Yes, this is MLB Morning Coffee Evening Espresso Edition. Why? Because I wanted to wait for the non-tender deadline to pass. So, for those of you that don't know, what the non-tender deadline is, is in regards to players that are arbitration eligible. So, when they say a player goes to arbitration, that means they are still under team control, but that if they can't come to an agreement on a certain salary figure, the case goes to arbitration in which a player submits their salary figure, the team submits their salary figure, and a third-party arbitrator decides which figure is appropriate for the player based on that performance. Almost 99.9% of the time, the higher salary figure is the one submitted by the player, the lower one is the one submitted by the team. So a lot of players at this non-tender deadline, they sign one-year contracts to avoid arbitration for this upcoming year because the two sides have agreed on a salary figure. Now, those players are arbitration eligible, so if they wanted to, they could go to arbitration if they did not like the figure that was initially given to them by their respective clubs. Every player that is arbitration eligible, in order to get to that point or in order to re-sign with that team, they have to be tendered a contract by that team. So if a player is not tendered a contract by that team for the upcoming year, then arbitration eligibility means nothing, and that player becomes an outright free agent. So when you non-tender somebody, that means that an arbitration-eligible player 
is not offered a contract for the next year by that team, and they become an unrestricted free agent. Oftentimes, this happens when teams believe that the arbitration figure is going to be too high for that player, or they believe that that player is no longer a part of what that organization is going to do moving forward. I should note, by the way, that there are a lot of players that did decide to skip arbitration and re-sign with their previous teams. The list of those players we might go over a little bit later on. We want to highlight the significant amount of players that were non-tendered because these are players that have had a significant impact on their prior club and now unexpectedly hit unrestricted free agency. Let's start with the first and most shocking of them, and that is former Cubs outfielder Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber was a key part of the Cubs team that won the World Series in 2016. He hurt himself in his second game of the season, missed the entire rest of the regular season, and then came back for the postseason where he was a Cubs playoff hero. But for Kyle Schwarber, his numbers have declined significantly, especially in the batting average department. In 2017, he hit 30 home runs, drove in 59 runs, but hit only 211 and had a 315 on base percentage. In 2018, he hit 238 with a 356 on base, hit 26 homers, drove in 61 runs. His best season came in 2019. He hit an even 250, a 339 on base, 38 homers, and 92 runs batted in. Now, why is Kyle Schwarber being non-tendered? Well, his 2020 season was probably the worst of his career. Although it is only in 59 games because of the length of the season, he hit just 188. He had a 308 on base percentage, hit 11 homers, drove in 24 runs, but he struck out 66 times in 191 at-bats. To me, the Cubs had a decision to make on a lot of their core guys in terms of whether or not they were going to be a part of the future after the 2021 season. New Cubs president of baseball operations Jed Hoyer determined that Schwarber was not going to be worth any of the money that he was slated to be given in his last year of arbitration and not worth signing to a multi-year contract moving forward. So the Cubs decided to cut bait with Kyle Schwarber. Very surprising to some, not so surprising to others. But, c'est la vie in the world of COVID-19. I am sure that Kyle Schwarber is going to end up with an American League team because he is an American League player. He's a below-average left fielder. He's not a great defender at any position. And he lacks, really, the versatility to be a National League ball player at this point. So Kyle Schwarber is probably going to be a first-base DH left field guy with an American League club. He's probably not going to get a whole lot of money in free agency, but somebody's going to take a flyer on him, and they'll probably do so in order to gain that plus power that he had during his time with the Cubs. There is still a lot to like about Kyle Schwarber at this point in his life cycle, but Kyle Schwarber was no longer a fit for the Chicago Cubs, and in the world of COVID-19, where you have to be really stringent with your finances, Schwarber was one of those, and even though baseball doesn't have a salary cap, as they put it in the NFL, he was one of their cap casualties. Now, the Cubs are going to tender a contract to Chris Bryant, as first reported by our good friend, you know his name, Bob Nightingale. 
And worth noting that our friend Mr. Nightingale says that it's going to be around $17 to $18 million for the one-year tender that Chris Bryant is going to sign. That's a different subject entirely because the Cubs are 100% going to try and trade Chris Bryant this offseason. The next significant player on our non-tender list is Twins outfielder Eddie Rosario. Rosario had a solid 2020 season, hitting 257 with 13 homers and 42 RBI. The best season of his career came in 2019, where he hit 276 with 32 homers and 109 RBI. Rosario was DFA'd yesterday because the Twins didn't want to pay his $9.5 million salary that was going to be on the books for 2021. Rosario was not claimed and became an outright free agent, so this is effectively a non-tendering of a contract because he was about to enter another year of arbitration. This is what the pandemic has done. It's taken a guy like Rosario, who has been solid really for the last four years, in his three prior seasons to 2020, he hit 27 homers, 24 homers, 32 homers, and had RBI totals of 78, 77, and 109. This past season was number six in a Twins uniform for Eddie Rosario, and a lot of Twins fans are unhappy that he will not be returning to Minnesota for the 2021 season. The next player on our list is Baltimore Oriole utility man Hanser Alberto. Alberto had a pretty solid 2020 season. He hit 283 with a 306 on base, three homers, and 22 RBI. His previous season with the Orioles, in 139 games, he hit 12 homers, drove in 51 runs, had a 305 batting average, and a 329 on base percentage. He's not a guy that gets on base a whole lot, but Hanser Alberto is certainly somebody that has a big value in his versatility. He can play second, he can play third, he can play shortstop, and for an Orioles team that's getting better, a little bit of a surprise that they did not bring him back. The Cincinnati Reds non-tendered Brian Goodwin, who they acquired from the Anaheim Angels at the trade deadline. Brian Goodwin, not necessarily a big surprise in regards to his non-tendering. He really struggled this season. Between the Reds and the Angels, he had 215 with six homers and 22 RBI, especially in Cincinnati. In just 20 games, he hit 163 with a 236 on base, two homers, and five runs driven in. Goodwin really was not seen as a solution long term, and thus the Reds decided to part ways with him. Danny Santana was the Rangers Player of the Year in 2019, and after a very disappointing 2020 season, he was non-tendered as well. This past year, Santana played in just 15 games. He hit 145 with a 238 on base, one homer, seven RBI. That's in stark contrast to his 2019 season where he hit 28 homers, drove in 81 runs, had a 283 batting average with a 324 on base percentage. Danny Santana is one of those guys that never had sustained success in the big leagues until 2019. In his first five years in the big leagues, split between the Twins and the Braves, he never hit more than seven homers in a year, and he never drove in more than 40 runs in a year, each of those coming in his rookie season with the Twins in 2014. But after he was acquired by the Rangers, he had a new life, hitting those 28 homers, which, by the way, 
he had more homers in 2019 than he did in his first five seasons in the big leagues combined. So for Danny Santana, a bad year meant a non-tender from the Rangers. Adam Duvall was non-tendered by the Atlanta Braves, and to me, this was a shock. Duvall had a very good season power-wise for Atlanta, as he hit 16 homers in just 57 games. The season was 60 games. The year before, he played just 41 games. He hit 10 homers, drove in 19 runs, and hit 267. He was acquired by the Braves in the middle of the 2018 season from the Reds, but in an Atlanta uniform, he never lived up to his 2016 and 17 seasons with Cincinnati. In 2016, he hit 33 homers and drove in 103 runs, making his only All-Star appearance. The following year, he hit 31 homers, drove in 99 runs, had an uptick in batting average. He hit 241 in 2016, hit 249 in 2017. But in 2018, between the Reds and the Braves, he hit just 195, 15 homers, and 61 runs batted in. So Adam Duvall is somebody that still, even at age 32, has the opportunity to be a 20-plus homer guy for the next couple of years. The Braves, they just didn't want to pay him the type of money that he probably could have commanded if he had decided to return to Atlanta. His arbitration figure probably would have been somewhere in the range of 5 to $7 million. He made $3.2 million this past year. More than likely, he would have made around that 5 to $7 million figure in 2021 because he had a solid year in a pandemic-shortened season. That number could have skyrocketed because the Braves decided to non-tender him. He is an unrestricted free agent. By the way, I do want to go back and give you the exact salary figures for some of the guys that we did just talk about because I do have them. For Kyle Schwarber, he made $7 million this past season after making $3.3 million the year before. Eddie Rosario made $7.75 million this past season, and he probably would have been in the range of $9.5 million. That was his estimated arbitration figure for this upcoming season. That's what we gave to you earlier in this program. Hanser Alberto made $1.6 million last season, which was upwards from the $578,000 that he made in 2019. So, To not give Hanser Alberto a contract, a little bit surprising to me considering that he was not making that much money to begin with. Brian Goodwin made $2.2 million this past season. His average and his statistics not worth $2.2 million or potentially more in the upcoming season. And finally, Danny Santana, his arbitration figure was $3.6 million in 2020, Probably would not have gotten above $4 million in 2021, but in the arbitration rules, you cannot offer a player. So this is the one thing about arbitration that to me is fascinating, and this is a rule that I did not know until I really went deep into it. You cannot offer a player less than 80% of what they made the previous year. So if somebody's arbitration figure is $5 million for a season. You cannot, if they have a bad season, you cannot as a team offer them less than $4 million for the next season if you keep that guy under contract. 
Okay, we're going to try and get to as many guys as we can that were non-tendered. I promise you I'm not trying to avoid certain guys. I just want to go with what I think is most relevant. So Kyle Schwarber got non-tendered. He was the fourth overall pick in the 2014 MLB draft. The third overall pick in the 2014 MLB draft was Carlos Rodon of the Chicago White Sox. And Rodon was non-tendered by the White Sox for the 2021 season. Rodon made $4.4 million in 2020, and he was injured for most of the year, and he was pretty bad when he wasn't injured. He made two relief appearances. He gave up seven runs in seven and two-thirds innings this season, three walks, six strikeouts. The guy has not been able to stay healthy. He made seven starts in 2019, had an ERA over five, He was pretty solid in his first four years, having ERAs of 375, 404, 415, and 418, making 23, 28, 12, and 20 starts in those four seasons. But Rodon had surgery. He had trouble staying healthy. He did not perform well when given the opportunity in 2020. And even though Rick Renneria put him in some bad situations, after his debacle in the third game of the wild card series against Oakland, where he came in out of the bullpen and walked the yard, it was very difficult seeing the White Sox bringing him back for 2021. Even though a lot of people still think that he has the potential to be a top flight starter, or at least be a third or a fourth starter, the White Sox were ready to move on. Another guy that the White Sox moved on from was Nomar Mazzara. Now, Nomar Mazzara was arbitration eligible because they acquired him in a trade from the Texas Rangers. He was still under the same contract structure that he was as a member of the Rangers. Mazzara made $5.5 million this past season. It was the worst season of his five-year big league career. In his first four seasons in Texas, he hit 20 homers, 20 homers, 20 homers, and 19 homers. So pretty consistent. He had RBI totals of 64, 101, 77, and 66. So a pretty consistent player by all accounts. He had batting average totals of 266, 253, 258, and 268. The 2020 season was an absolute bust. He was hurt to start the year, and when he did come back, he was not good. Career lows in batting average at 228, on-base percentage at 295, homers, he had just one, and RBI, He had just 15. Given that the White Sox were more apt to go to Adam Engel in right field in the second half of the 2020 season, and because Engel is a lot cheaper than Mazzara at this point, there was really no objective in keeping Mazzara past this year. You gave up a former second-round pick in Steel Walker for him, but I think the White Sox realized that it was a sunk cost and there was no reason to continue to invest in Nomar Mazzara. So he is non-tendered, and he might be a good flyer for somebody to pick up that won't cost a lot of money because the potential is still there. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to be able to tap into that potential after what was, by all accounts, a disastrous 2020 season. Tyler Naquin was non-tendered by the Cleveland Indians. Naquin made just $1.4 million this past year. Now, Tyler Naquin's a guy that a lot of Indians fans hoped was going to be a staple in their outfield for years to come. 
he never really materialized into the type of player that people hoped he would be. After a solid rookie season where he hit 14 homers, drove in 43 runs, had a 296 batting average and a 372 on base percentage, he struggled mightily the next two years. He played in just 19 games in 2017 and 61 in 2018. In 2019, he played in 89 games, hit 288 with 10 homers and 34 RBI, had an on-base of 325. But this past season, in 40 games, he hit 218, four homers, and 20 runs batted in. The Indians have a very good farm system. They have a lot of players that could fill the same type of role that Tyler Naquin had. So this makes sense that they decided to cut bait with him. Michael Franco was non-tendered by the Kansas City Royals, and this was a bit of a surprise because Franco had a pretty solid 2020 season. He had 278 with 8 homers and 38 RBI. He was on track for a big bounce-back season compared to his last year in Philadelphia, where he hit a career-low 234 with a 297 on base, 17 homers, and 56 RBI. He was consistent from 2016 to 2018. He hit 25 homers in 2016, 24 in 2017, and 22 in 2018. He had a career-best 88 RBI in 2016, had 76 in 2017, and 68 in 2018. Franco was never a guy that hit for a high average. He hit 255 in 2016, 230 in 2017, and 270 in 2018. I'm a bit surprised that the Royals decided to non-tender him, but the Royals are deciding to shift their money around in different places. He only made $2.9 million this past season, and I think he probably would have earned about $5 million if the Royals had kept him for 2021. So Michael Franco is going to be another guy that could be a decent-priced flyer for anybody that wants to take a chance on him. The final non-tender that I want to talk about is Albert Almora Jr., the first ever draft pick by the Theo Epstein regime. Almora was, just to say it lightly, a disappointment as a Chicago Cub. He was expected to be their franchise center fielder, and offensively, he never lived up to the billing. Almora is an above-average center fielder, but offensively, he never was up to par. His best season offensively, came in 2017 when he hit 298 with 8 homers and 46 RBI. In 2018, he hit 286 with 5 homers and 41 RBI, but dropped off significantly in 2019. In 130 games in 2019, he hit 236 with a 271 on base, 12 homers and 32 RBI. And in 2020, in just 28 games played, he hit 167, no homers, and one run batted in. Albert Almora Jr. is only 26 years old. He could be a reclamation project for some team, maybe the Rays, maybe the Oakland A's, that need a high upside defensive outfielder and a guy that's going to hit in the range of 270 to 275 that is not going to hit for a whole lot of power. Ian Happ is the Cubs' starting center fielder moving forward, and there just was not a place for Almora on this roster. So as the Cubs move toward a rebuild, they are going to do it without the guy that brought them their first championship in the front office in Theo Epstein and without the first player that he drafted as the Cubs' VP of baseball operations, that being Albert Almora Jr., who he did 
in 2012. His first-round draft pick in 2013 was Chris Bryant. His first-round pick in 2014 was Kyle Schwarber. And his first-round pick in 2015 was Ian Happ. So there you have it. Those are your most significant non-tendered players. We are going to start our season reviews tomorrow morning. We are going to begin more than likely with the defending world champion, Los Angeles Dodgers, but I have still not yet decided which team I want to start with. Ooh, boy. But before we go, a couple of reminders. Write a review, leave a rating, subscribe. I promise you it is going to be worth it. We are going to get to 200 episodes in the near future, and we are approaching the one-year anniversary of this podcast. So I hope that everybody that has listened from day one, or if you just started listening today, keep listening. It will be worth your time and your energy. Have a great rest of your evening. And as always, we will catch you in the morning or maybe the evening or whenever I decide to put on the headset again, which I'm going to tell you will be tomorrow morning for the start of our season in review series. And please do remember, sports don't build character, they reveal it. <laughs>